Amen. Pastor Hilton, can he come and preach to us? Hallelujah. I'm going to turn up that, that monitor. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Let's continue praising the Lord this evening. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Oh, we magnify your most holy name here today. Oh, we exalt you, Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. You can be seated. Reagan, come on up here and get ready. Hallelujah. It's always an honor to be back at home and uh, be able to worship with each and every one of you. And uh, I already know I can't feel the shoes of the man of God of this house, but I can give you what I, what I got. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I, uh, I do want to give honor to the bishop and uh, all of the time that he has invested in me over the years and uh, the good times and the bad times and uh, it hasn't always I haven't always been the best student but he's been an excellent teacher amen even when it was wrong and not wrong even when it felt like I was being done wrong you know I I, I, I know when I look back now and I see what he put me through I can see that God's hand was in it all Amen. My God is faithful. And one thing that I've learned in my lifetime is that if you want to know how God's feeling about your life, it will be proclaimed through the man of God in your life. I've seen... I believe that my, my father-in-law, my pastor, is one of, the, one of the meekest men that I know. But I have seen him become very angry. Not just to the side, but in this pulpit, I've seen him become angry. But you can tell, Brother Wilson, <laughs> Brother Nelson, that God's hand is in that. There's a witness of the Holy Ghost. Don't know why I'm saying what I'm saying. All I'm doing is saying what I feel is on my heart right now. Sometimes we don't understand. You don't understand what God's doing in your life. Can I get a witness? How many has got it all figured out? Sister Hall's got it all figured out. <laughs> I'm just a picking. I'm just a picking. No, I don't have it all figured out. And the day that I do think I have it all figured out, I'm in big trouble. I want God to be able to mold me. I want God to be able to work in my life. Amen? I, uh, I was talking to the church this morning about how that God is our Father. Dad, there was some times that weren't so pleasant. 
there was intense times of fellowship between me and my father. There was times of discipline between me and my father. But above all of those things, there was time of just abiding in the presence of my father. Just being able to sit there. And for me and my dad, it's always been drinking coffee and just talking. Dad, I want to say thank you. A week ago, last Monday, you came down. You could have hurried on back to the house, but you stayed at the church and you, you spent time just talking to me. And just like we need that between our earthly fathers, there are times we need that between our heavenly father and ourselves. Sometimes we get so in, inundated with life and, and trying to get answers quickly and trying to move quickly and trying to make sure that we're not missing anything. I believe that there are times in our life that we need to slow down just a minute and say, all right, God, here I am. My ear is attentive unto your voice right now. Let me spend some time talking with you for a while. Let me abide in your presence, oh God. Think about the, the prodigal son, how that when he came back home, the father ran to him. They didn't say a whole lot right then off the, off the, off the cuff, right then at the beginning. But what you read about is the Bible says he ran to him and he took him in his arms and he kissed him. And I'm sure that he held him there for a minute just to let him know, hey, son, thank you for coming home. Thank you for coming back so I can have some communion with you anew and afresh here at the house. There's times when we come into the house of the Lord, we need to abide, we need to be ready and willing to allow, allow the Holy Ghost to begin to minister to us. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. And I'm thankful that my God loves me enough, Brother Hall, that he still longs to have a relationship with me. Yeah. I've said this so many times in our home church, in our church back at home, that God wants a relationship with you more than you can even imagine. And especially, you've got to realize he wants a relationship with you, Brother Larson, more than you want a relationship with him. That's the God that I serve. A father's love goes above and beyond. My actions, my attitude, and even how I treat him. My God loves me. He loves you. He is my father. And he provides for me day and night. He woke me up this morning. He brought me into the house of God tonight. Honestly, if you if you want to look back over my life and you want to uh, you want to do some inspections in me, some of you would say, "Man, he is not worthy to be in the house of the Lord today, much less be on that platform." But my God is a merciful God. My God is a loving God. 
my God is a forgiving God. Hallelujah. Has anybody experienced his mercy before? Has anybody experienced the love of God before? Hallelujah. There's nothing like the love of God. There's nothing like the love of God. Hallelujah. Amen. It's been a long time since Reagan and I have sang this song. And uh, I felt it when I got here this afternoon. So I asked her, I said, you up to singing? So we're going to give it a shot. We're not here to entertain. We're just here to worship the Lord. Amen. Worship with us as we sing tonight.
glorify him today. We lift your name on high, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised, O Lamb of God. We exalt you and we magnify your holy name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for providing for us. You're wonderful today. You're wonderful today. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Acts 1, verse 1. <clears throat> and the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Jumping down to verse 6. And when they were therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Amen. I'm going to pull my text, my title, whatever you want to call it, from the third verse. To whom also he showed himself alive. Everybody say alive. After his passion. Everybody say his passion. It's from this passage that I'm going to take my title today, and we're going to talk for a little while, life after your suffering, life after your suffering. Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Can we do that? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace and mercy today. Lord, I'm asking that you would anoint these lips of clay, anoint this mind of mine that I could say what it is you want me to say today. Lord, I pray, God, that I could say it like I felt like you gave it to me, Lord. Somehow, Lord, I pray that you would let your anointing rest upon us in this sanctuary. Bind our hearts and our minds together, Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm asking that your perfect will would be accomplished in this house. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Can we give him a hand clap of praise here tonight? Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, I will say, maybe somebody told me, but of late I've been not very good at listening. 
from what others have told me, and I didn't know my sister was coming to town. So I was excited. Did you know that? All right. I was excited when I saw her. Amen. So you just have to indulge me in that. Um, I was grateful to see her. Looks like she stepped out. But anyway, I've come to church tonight <clears throat> praying, asking God for a clear direction. And uh, I know we've talked about some heavier things, but and I know probably from my title, you're like, man, this is going to be a heavy message. I don't feel like it's going to be a heavy one. Um, we'll see how God turns it out. But I'm hoping to encourage somebody tonight. Amen. I'm hoping that somebody could leave this place with, uh, uh, with, with a skip in their step. Amen. I, I noticed here a while back somebody was trying to see if the old folks knew how to skip still. And uh, my, dad, my dad did an all right job. Amen. Brother Nelson, can you skip? <laughs> we got something in common. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. I, I, uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that uh, the Word of God can speak to every situation in life. And as I began to prepare, and, and I'll be honest with you, some of this uh, the idea that I got wasn't hardly anything that I preached was was something original with me, a hundred percent. Amen. I heard somebody say something somewhere, or or, or I read something somewhere that sp sparked a thought, and I began to think about it, and I began to build upon it, and uh, I began to hear uh, Elder Bass was preaching on a on on one of the on one of the admit. Uh, messages and I was listening to him preach and he, he he brought this point out and and brother self please don't think lowly of me but I don't know why I never I, I've known this before I knew what the word passion meant in verse 3 of this chapter that we just read a while ago sister Seely if you don't mind putting chapter Acts 1 and 3 back up there the Bible says that he showed himself alive after his passion and I'm just going to be honest maybe I shouldn't be that way but I'm going to be transparent brother Nelson this boy right here was dumb enough to think uh, that he was just passionate about showing everybody he was alive that's how I I would read it on regular basis but I knew I had studied this passage many years ago, and I, and I got the revelation back then, but I began to hear him preach about this, and so I began to, I began to look at it, and, I, and as I began to dig into the word of the Lord, guess what? That word, passion, how many of you have ever heard of the passion of the Christ? Does anybody know what you're talking about, the passion of the Christ? You're not just talking about a Christ who is passionate, but the passion is, in the original, it came from a word that meant to suffer. It's really simple. It's a suffering. And so, technically, we can literally lead, read this passage of Scripture to whom he showed himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. He showed himself 
alive. But I wanted to point out one other thing in this sentence. After not just anybody's passion, not just anybody's suffering, but it was his suffering. It was the suffering of Jesus Christ that bought our salvation on Calvary. Hallelujah. He showed himself alive. The song, the old Carmen song comes to mind, Sunday's on the way. Amen. If any of y'all from my my time frame, that was a popular thing back when I was younger. Amen. And I I want you to understand, Sunday, amen, Satan was on Friday night. He he had it wrong, by the way. But anyway, when Jesus died, uh, Carmen depicted the fact that that Satan and all of his his little inklings were, were throwing a party when Jesus passed away. And they said, man, we've got him down now. What can he do from this point? Uh, Amen. And the next thing you know is Jesus is showing up uh, and he's wreaking havoc in hell. And he got victory over hell. And all of a sudden uh, on the third day, uh, amen, a rumbling took place. uh, And some Roman soldiers uh, began to get some big old eyes saying, what in the world's going on around here? What's going on around here? And on Sunday morning, Sunday morning, that old stone rolled away of its own accord. Despite whether or not there were some soldiers guarding that tomb, amen, that, that old stone rolled away. Amen, it didn't take any, 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 uh, it didn't take four or five guys to roll it away. Amen, but it took just one angel, amen, to show up and roll that thing away. And out come Jesus walking out of the tomb. Hallelujah. Is anybody excited about what Jesus did for you? (laughs) I know I'm going somewhere. I know you're waiting for me to get there. Amen. Praise God. Jesus died. Yeah? But the rest of you, you believe Jesus died? Okay. Just making sure we're all reading the same book here. Does anybody believe Jesus rose from the grave? Well, Luke said we have many infallible proofs that Jesus rose from the grave. He showed himself alive after his suffering. He went through it. Peter didn't go through it. John didn't go through it. Jesus went through it. Hold on to that thought for a little while because I'm going to come back and resurrect that thing. If I don't forget. If it doesn't, if it doesn't die. This message is a very punny message. Um, we have hope because he died. But not just because he died, but because he rose from the grave on that third day. He prophesied it. Other prophets prophesied it. There were songs written about it in the Psalms. I wonder. I wonder if the Israelites really knew what they were singing in some of them Psalms. I wonder when they sang the 22nd Psalm, if they knew what they were singing about. I wonder. 
it's evident to me, Brother Hall, that some of them really didn't know because they rejected him, according to John chapter 1. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But yet, somebody received him. Just a little nugget that as I was doing some study in the past couple of years, I don't remember all my days run together, so I don't know how long ago it's been, but I was studying the word of the Lord. And, and how many of you guys remember Nicodemus? Did you know that the Bible says that there was a man named Nicodemus that helped Joseph of Arimathea bury Jesus? Now, the Bible's not specific that it was that very Nicodemus that met with Jesus. But there's a lot of probability there. Jesus had a first convert, didn't he? The first message Jesus ever preached must have done something to Nicodemus. <laughs> Man, I got to be careful. I know Brother Tuffy's listening tonight. And he knows I never stay on my notes. He asked me the other, a few weeks ago, he said, why do you even put notes together? I said, I got to have something to base off of. No. Oh, help me, Jesus. I feel good in my spirit tonight. And I feel like God's going to help somebody tonight realize that suffering is not the end of the world. In fact, it may be the beginning of your life. Your everlasting life may depend upon the suffering that you're going through today. Look, I'm telling you, the whole world's eternal salvation hung upon the suffering of one man. And his name was Jesus Christ. Why do you think for 40 days, Jesus went around making sure, hey, hey, you know who I am? You, look, look who I am. I'm Jesus. Hey, Sister Nelson, I'm not dead anymore. Brother Josh, I'm not dead. He went from house to house, letting him know, hey, guess what? He revealed himself how many times? And you know what? Mm, brother, brother Self, there was a man named Thomas. We give him a lot of flack around here. But they call him Doubting Thomas. But you know what? Jesus went out of his way. Man, if you could know where I'm going here in just a minute. But I want you to understand, Jesus had a passion. No, not he wasn't suffering in this, but he had a purpose. He had a plan, Brother Hall. I've got to let everybody know that I told I was coming back in three days. They've got to know I came back, and I'm live, and I'm in the flesh, and I'm here to help them. Yes, I went through some suffering. Yes, some of those men spit in my face. Yes, they beat me on the back with a cat of nine tails. Yes, I bled. Yes, I hung naked upon a cross. Yes, I died. Amen. Yes, I had nails driven through my hands and my feet. Yes, I, was, I had a spear shoved into my side. But he showed himself alive after 
suffering. And he had a purpose. He spent 40 days, Luke said. He spent 40 days after his resurrection going and revealing himself with infallible proofs. Does anybody have a question as to what infallible proofs are? I'm okay explaining what an infallible proof is. It's pretty simple. There's no doubt whatsoever. He had absolute proof. If you took the proof that he gave to his disciples and everybody that he came to, it would uphold in a court of law. Nobody could poke holes in it. They tried to. They tried convincing everybody that the, the apostles and, and, and the disciples of Jesus went around preaching. Amen. They kept trying to follow him up and saying, hey, that Jesus is dead. They bought his body from the Romans and he and they took it and hid it somewhere else. I don't have time to get into history, but I, I just want you to know, historically, yeah, they tried. The priest... They did. They paid money. They were bribing people. You don't believe it? I want you to go read in Acts. Chapter, in, in Acts. And I want you to read in Acts chapter number 6. They did the same thing to Stephen that they did to Jesus. What was, what was Stephen doing? He was testifying to what he knew about Jesus. And the priests that day, they stirred up other people and got them to believing the same lies that they told about Jesus. Have you ever, have you ever looked at the, the correlation between Stephen and Jesus? Their trials? It's uncanny how similar they are. They accused Stephen of saying it was Jesus. He tore down the temple, the literal temple that they would go worship in, and that he was going to build it up three days later. And they used that accusation to get Stephen stoned. I, I feel like I'm losing some folks, but I, I want you to understand something. It was Jesus in his suffering, and he came back and testified to the fact that he was alive and well now. Then you get Stephen, who's just doing what he was told to do, what he was, what he was brought in to do. He was elected by the apostles, and he was ordained by them to serve the widows and the orphans there, and he began to work among them, and the Bible says that he began to do many mighty works among them. Quick side note, if you just do what you know you're supposed to do for God, watch the miracles just happen. Just get busy about the king's business and everything else will take care of itself. You just got to walk in faith. You just got to go about and say, all right, God, I know that I got to go to work today, but you know what? There may be a, a coworker on your job that needs you to pray about something. And guess what? 
Look, it, it's happened, Brother Nelson. It's happened. And you begin to pray for their situation, and you go back and you ask them on a regular basis, hey, how's that situation coming? And you watch how God begins to work through your prayers because you're doing what God's called you to do. I'm just a practical preacher, folks. I'm just, that's all I am. But Stephen, he was just preaching. He wasn't even preaching yet. Sorry, jumping ahead of myself. He wasn't preaching yet. He was just doing his business, cleaning tables, taking out trash, tending to the kids if there was something wrong. And I could just imagine that he's just doing what he does every day. I got to get up. Got to be at the place at 8 o'clock in the morning and make sure the tables are all laid out because the moms and, the, and their babies are going to be coming in around 9 o'clock for breakfast. And I'm making all this up, but I, I just want you to understand he's just going through his ritual day, ritualistic day saying, all right, here I go. Amen. I pray to the Lord. I want to be used of you today, God. Amen. And I can just imagine that one of the moms come over or one of the moms had a crying baby. And Stephen took notice, something wrong with that baby. He walked over and said, ma'am, is there something I can help you with? She said, no, I just got a baby. He's got a fever. He's had a fever for a few days. Okay, I'm, I'm using my imagination, folks. Yeah. Uh, Say this not in the Bible. Well, I'm trying to help you understand these people were real just like we are. And I can just imagine... I know this is what I'd do. Oh, man, can I give you a little break? Can I hold your baby? And that mom just reached over, and she's seen him every day. She knows him. She's, had, she's built trust up in this man. She hands over her baby. And so she's taking it easy. She's enjoying her dinner. Stephen's taking care of this little baby. And I can just imagine Stephen go to praying. Jesus, I know the stories I've heard about Jesus walking through, you walking through and touching people and healing them. Would you heal this baby? And the next thing, he comes back to his mom and she looks at him and says, he's not hot anymore. The baby's fine. One thing after another. And many mighty works were wrought at the hands of Stephen. He wasn't preaching. He was just doing what he does every day. And God began to use him. And God began to work in his life. And the only message we ever hear that Stephen ever preached was to his accusers. And not one time did you see or hear Stephen defending himself for what he was doing, even though everything that was being said against him was false. He proclaimed the gospel. He began to reach back to those infallible proofs that Jesus gave him in that 40 days. And he began to tell him, hey, Jesus is alive. 
Jesus is alive. I don't know if Stephen was there that day, if he was part of the 120 that was on the mount, but all I can say is this. I do know that, that Stephen understood and trusted the apostles that were there. Amen. And he said, look, I've, I know that he ascended up into heaven. I know his mortal body isn't with us anymore, but I know this. Uh, there are so many proofs uh, and so many witnesses that can verify that after he suffered on the cross, uh, he came and he got, he, he became alive, amen, after he suffered. And the reason I decided I'd chase this one down a little bit is because I want you to understand, Stephen died in chapter 7. But something happened that day. Something happened that day. Get chapter 7. There were some people there that heard everything that was going on. There were some people there that were in authority that watched everything unfold. Down where it says, and there was a young man Talking about Saul. We know him today as Paul. He was holding some coats. He was standing and he was attesting to the fact that, hey, I approve of what these people are doing. And man, what a story it would have, would have come out of that had Stephen come out of that pile of rocks later on. But that wasn't the will of God. It was through Stephen's suffering that life came to a man named Saul. <laughs> it was through the suffering of Stephen that life came to the Samaritans. It was because of his testimony you don't believe me? Read chapter 8. Why did Philip go down to Samaria? Because they were being tormented there in Jerusalem. And they had to get out of town, if you will. And he went down to Samaria and he began to preach. Well, Philip was one of Stephen's comrades there serving tables. Philip shows up in Samaria and he starts preaching. But something different happened in Samaria than what happened in Jerusalem. People began to get baptized. People began to respond in faith. And life came. Hope came to an entire city because of a man who suffered. Let me try to bring this down. I'm not going to be much longer. Try to stick 30 minutes. I don't know if I've done surpassed it or not. I don't even know what time it was when I started. Before I move on, the word in the original that was translated to passion, in our, in our reading, verse 3, the lexicon Bible dictionary begins, defines 
that, that Greek word, I'm not going to try to say the Greek word because I'll butcher it. But in English, it, it translates to, to suffer. Meaning, experiencing physical, mental, or spiritual suffering. That pretty much covers it. Physical, mental, spiritual. Has anybody ever had physical torments or sufferings? Has anybody ever had some mental sufferings? Huh. I got to be careful. This ain't my church. But I want to say it this way. I'm sick and tired of pills. I'm sick and tired of people delving one God apostolics delving into pills and, and, and going after those things because they're depressed. They're oppressed. Let me tell you something. We got one, Sister Bonnie. He knows what you're going through. And he knows how to fix the problem. There's only one thing you need, and that's faith. If you can get, if you can go and consume as much faith, faith as you do, mind-altering drugs, man, what kind of world would this be? What kind of church would this be? I need Jesus. And let me tell you something. Jesus suffered physically. Jesus suffered mentally. And he suffered spiritually. You know how I know? Hebrews chapter 12. Did I put it in there? I don't know if I put it in there or not. I sure didn't. Hebrews tells us that we have not an high priest. It's the wrong chapter, actually. I just said, but. We have not a high priest that has not been touched with, the infirm with our infirmities, but has been tempted in all points like as we are. You say, how, how, how do you know of assurance that God knows where I'm at and that, that he knows what I'm feeling right now? Because he's been there. Because he suffered that. And he came to life after suffering that. And he gave us hope beyond the suffering. He gave us life after his suffering. Jesus was our example in all things, including our suffering. The Bible tells us multiple places. I just pulled three out of the Bible that, that, that I, I felt like uh, would be great, but there were many more that we could actually utilize. Amen. I could spend some time going through here. But in Romans, the Apostle Paul tells them uh, in Romans 8 and 18, for I reckon that the sufferings uh, of this present time. He didn't say you're not going to suffer anything. But he said, I reckon 
that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. First Peter, the apostle Peter said it this way in first Peter five and 10, but the God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, you have suffered. Oh, make you perfect. Establish you, strengthen and settle you. Paul testified the sufferings were going to be had in this life. Peter testified that, that, that sufferings were going to be had in this life. Second Corinthians, he wrote to the church of, Cor the, of Corinth. Uh, he said it this way, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding whoo, and eternal weight of glory. I'm about where I want to be right now. I want you to see here. The Bible said in Acts 1 and 3, he showed himself alive after his passion or his suffering. And he was the one bringing the infallible testimony. He was the one going from person to person. Hey, I'm alive. He walked with a couple of them. He met with them in a locked house. And he showed them who he was. He showed up on the shores after Peter done backslid and went back to his old life. And he went back out there and he met with Peter. And when Peter realized who he was, Peter jumped in the water and he swam to shore and he asked for forgiveness. And Jesus cooked him a dinner right there. Infallible proofs. But he was the one testifying of his suffering. It was his suffering. Now we should be telling everybody about his suffering. We should be testifying to the goodness of God because the Bible tells us in Matthew 28 and 19, go ye therefore into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. He said, go, preach. Luke, he said, you've got to preach remission of sins in my name, repentance and the promise of the Father. We've got to tell of Jesus. We've got to testify of his coming back to life because that's where our hope lies. But can I draw an analogy out of here? This isn't the translation, all right? But this is an interpretation that I'm just going to pull out and use it as an analogy tonight. I'm not changing what the Word of God says, but I believe that the Word of God stands true upon what we're about to talk about. That last verse that we read, sorry, 1 Peter 5 and 10. My wife don't like running the projector for me either. <laughs> 1 Peter 5 and 10. But the God of all grace, who has called who? 
Who's that? That's it, Brother Larson, me. But the God of all grace who has called me unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, ye have suffered a while. Who? Who's suffering? If you're called, there's suffering going to happen. I'm sorry. I didn't mean, I guess I could have brought the flowers and all this stuff and said, you know, don't worry about it. You, you know, it's, it's life's a bed of roses and everything's going to be all right. But you know what? Yeah, they do have thorns. But if I preached that message, I'd be going to hell. Because the Bible says, all liars shall have their place. I don't lie. Not when I got a mic in my hand and I'm preaching to a group of people about salvation. I'm not lying about that. Because I've got to answer to an almighty God about every word that I say across this pulpit. But he said, after that, who has? I, I have suffered a while. It's going to make you perfect, establish strength, and settle you. But my point is, after you suffer. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to be encouraging tonight. I hope so. <laughs> We're going to suffer. But there's life after suffering. After suffering. After suffering. Let me ask you something. What bring you, what bring you to a, an altar of repentance the first time? Huh? Your trouble. You're tired of turmoil in your life you're tired of living in an upside down world and so you're suffering in the world and it brought you to an old fashioned altar and you began to repent and you began to die and you came to life when the Holy Ghost came on the inside evidenced by speaking in other tongues and if you haven't yet, that's why you're here tonight. God knew where you were today. God knows what's going on in your life. And there is an altar today that you can find peace even in spite of your suffering. Does that mean your troubles are going to be gone when you go back to the house? No, my friend, but you're going to have peace and you're going to have everlasting life residing on the inside of you. One last passage of scripture. It's lengthy, but bear with me because this is where some revelation began to come as I began to study for this word tonight and I began to ask God, give me clear direction. I want you to see this in your own Bibles. Hopefully you've got your Bible. You did come to church. Second Corinthians. We just read one of the verses from it. Second Corinthians 4. 
Backing up all the way to verse number seven. <clears throat> you got to say amen. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power <clears throat> may be of God and not of us. Oh, and here he goes jumping in with both feet. Verse 8. We are troubled on every side. Yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. <laughs> well, come on now. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Yeah, I'm going through trouble, he said. But I'm always bearing about in this body the dying of our Lord Jesus. Why? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Oh, my God. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That the life also. Oh, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have the same, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that we, that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Mm. My, my, my. Come on, somebody. I hope you're getting a hold of what I'm trying to get across today. I know you're suffering, but Jesus suffered. And he did it as an example. He meant it. He did it so that we can look back and say, I know he went through suffering, but there was a day on a Sunday morning that he got up out of the grave and this mortal body, he meant it doesn't have to suffer always, but I have a promise of everlasting life. He meant there is a promise of life after your suffering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for all things are for your sakes, uh, that the abundance, abundant grace might through uh, the thanksgiving of many redound uh, to the glory of God, uh, for which cause uh, we faint not, uh, but through though our outward man perish, uh, yet the inward man uh, is renewed day by day, day by day. Hallelujah. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are... Um, that, which while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are, are not seen. I said that wrong. The first one is are seen. The second one is are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are. Oh, friend. Oh, friend. It's not worth giving up now. 
Oh, friend, it's worth, not worth throwing in the towel right now because there's a promise of life coming. And can I tell you something? Just like Jesus spent 40 days, he spent the rest of the days of his life as a mortal being going from house to house. Hey, I'm alive. Hey, I'm alive. Hey, I'm alive. Hey, there's hope. Hey, I'm alive. Hey, look, Thomas, look. I got holes in my hands. Thomas, look at my side. I got a gaping wound in my side, but I'm alive. I suffered, but I'm alive. What's going to happen when you get through this moment of suffering, child of God? You're going to go to your neighbor's house, and you're going to say, hey, I'm alive. Hey, I know. I know things were rough. I know I complain to you every once in a while. But guess what? My suffering's gone. I'm alive. I got life. I got hope in my, in my, in my veins right now. I know. I know that uh, that suffering wasn't vain. I know the things that I went through. Amen. I did it so that I could testify to the goodness of God. These sufferings had to happen to him so that we could have salvation. I'm trying to say my voice and not get too rowdy. Brother Nelson, if I start embarrassing you, stop me, all right? I was told of a message you preached one time at a youth conference. I don't know where, I don't know all the details and you can fill it in later. But they said you testified of how you were at work and God put this young man on your heart to work on him and invite him to church regularly. And he never showed up. And yet life happened and you moved on. But one day, he ran into you somewhere. Am I right so far? And he came to you. And I think Brother Stephen said you mentioned that he looked like an apostolic. And you asked him. Oh, he told you or something like that. Somehow you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt and he began to testify to you all of those times that you invited me to church. All of those times that you witnessed to me. It didn't fall on a deaf ear. Because the entire time I was watching you. He watched you suffer. In the bad times, he watched you in the good times. What are you trying to say, preacher? Simply this, they're watching. And they know when you're suffering. Because some of us can't hide it very well. 
But honey, they sure know when the suffering's over. Because they can see the life flowing through your veins. Maybe spiritually speaking, but honey, we've got to make it through. Because your personal suffering is going to minister to somebody. Your suffering is going to be something that when you go around and say, hey, yeah, I was bleeding. Yeah, it hurt my feelings. Yeah, I was spiritually hurt. But I went to God. And I depended upon God. And he loved me so much that the same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ. Hmm. My, come on, somebody get a hold of what I'm talking about. I know, I know, I know we could preach about this in eternity, but I'm telling you, sometimes God lets us go through some temporary things that we're like, man, I don't know why I got to go through this. I just came to let you know there's life after your suffering. He's your strength in your suffering, but you're going to have life after your suffering. Who knows? Stephen, that there's a Saul standing there holding some coats somewhere. Come on now. Who knows, friend, that somebody's standing on the sidelines. Maybe they're the instigators of your problem. But there's a chapter 9 in Acts coming. And they're going to have an encounter with an almighty God. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about God's going to bring some life into some other people's, into other people's situations. Come on now. Can you ride with me today? Your suffering can lead to somebody's salvation. I believe it's the will of God. Well, he loves us. He's not here to destroy us. He's here to save our souls. You say, well, why do I have to go through the suffering? Only God knows sometimes. But he is faithful. And he is able to bring hope. Ask the Apostle Paul. He was on a ship that was being destroyed. And the angel came. And spoke to him and says, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Musicians, can you come? After your suffering, after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you will be witnesses. You will be witnesses. Can you follow along with me? Acts chapter 1 verse 3, Jesus showed himself alive after his passion for 40 days with many infallible proofs. And then later on, he's asked by the people. In verse number 6, they said, 
Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But he said, just like me, I received the power of life. I came out of the grave. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Child of God, friend that's listening to me tonight, your answer to your suffering is an infilling of the Holy Ghost, a fresh one. I know, I know, we felt the glorious power of God in this place as we worship the Lord. But clapping your hands and singing with a loud voice, running the aisles and dancing a little while isn't what's going to save your soul. Staying full, everybody say full, of the Holy Ghost is the key. I know I said it a while ago and I probably should tie this up. But when it comes to depression, no, I don't recommend going to a doctor and getting more pills. I recommend going to a closet somewhere and finding a place to pray. And let him fill you with the Holy Ghost afresh. Because I can promise you the things that you're facing in depression, oppression, however you want to describe it, I want you to understand it's fear and it's worry. And God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if God didn't, who did? So you need to bind him in Jesus' name and send him packing down the road. And let us get filled with the Holy Ghost so we can have life in our lives in our hearts and our minds. It's his strength. It's his anointing. It's his power that we need on a regular basis. God knows where you're at, my friend. God knows what he's doing in your life right now. I'm simply asking you, will you trust him? Will you put your hand in his hand and let him guide you will you allow him to 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 guide you from morning to night would you somehow allow the holy ghost begin to minister in your life can we stand this evening he is my everything he is my all and tonight even though I may be going through a battle. Maybe you're not. Maybe this is for somebody down the road. All I know is this, this is what I felt today. Felt it for a couple of days. Somehow, we need to take courage in the fact that God knows all and he's still in control. Job said it this way, I looked in front of me, behind me, beside me, 
I searched all over, but I couldn't find him. He said, but this one thing I know, he knows the way I take. He knows exactly where I'm standing today. He knows exactly what's going to happen when I wake up tomorrow. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Situation came up. An individual's not in church anymore. They were devastated. I was standing in Walmart. My phone rang. I was checking out, so I didn't answer. I just answer when I get out to the truck. My phone kept ringing and ringing and ringing. Finally, I just said, I'm sorry. Pulled my phone out. Said, what's going on? They let me know. I said, all right, I'll be there. I got there to their house. They were sitting out on their front porch. Hand in their face, face in their hands. I said, what's going on, man? Like, what's going on? It's all gone. It's all gone. Everything I've worked for is gone. Everything's gone. And right there, I wasn't exactly where I needed to be with God, but something come all over me. And we started praying together right there on his front porch. And I watched over the course of the next few weeks the fact that even that weekend he wasn't one that was always boisterous in his prayer life. And he wasn't always at church at prayer time. That I remember I came to church a little early that Sunday morning and I walked in the back door and I could hear him calling on God. This man had really lost financially everything that he had. what to do and he kept calling on the Lord fortunately they're not in church today but in that moment of time in his life I watched as in the moment of suffering that he was going through he turned to the altar and he sought after God and I'm telling you, I watched his walk with God grow in those months. You say, well, why did he have to lose everything? I don't know. God knew. God knew what was going to get that man in an altar. 
And you know what God's ultimate goal is to do in your life? Is to build a relationship with you. That's his number one goal. That's why he created you. That's why he filled you with the Holy Ghost. That's why the apostle said he called us by the grace of God. And sometimes when everything's going good, we get busy. I know, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir tonight. But friend, we can't lose sight of the altar. In my suffering, that's when I need to be in the altar the most. But when I'm not suffering, <laughs> I need to show the life that he's put into my, into my soul to everybody that's around me. I'm, I'm closing. I know this is, I know this is different. I, it's just what I feel. But just think. I know Jesus said, Matthew 6 and 33, he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Brother Nelson, what would happen if every single person in this room had that mindset? What would happen in this church, in this assembly, if every single one of us, under the sound of my voice, whether it's going bad or whether it's going good, said, I have one focus, and that's on the kingdom of God. I've told our people many times, You want to know how to stay out of depression? Staying prayed up is one of them. But stay busy about the kingdom of God. Brother Nelson, I've seen people help others and God excel them and God bless them. But the moment that they quit helping others, they become carnal as the day is long. That doesn't mean you need to be in everybody else's business. But my goodness, when's the last time? Bishop can correct me if I'm, if I'm out of line. You can let me know too. But when's the last time you invited a sinner to your dinner table? When's the last time you went and got coffee with somebody that wasn't in church? I'm not saying go there and teach them in a Bible study. My, my goodness. Just love them. 
That's it. Just let them know. I have no ulterior motives today. Yeah, I do want to see your soul saved. But I'm not cramming this Bible down your throat. I just want you to know you're welcome in my house. You got my phone number? Please text me or call me. Let me know. If you've got something going on, I want to be there. Maybe I shouldn't do this, but when's the last time you went to somebody's graduation? That wasn't your family member. You met them in town. You, you, you. Help me, Jesus. It's really, again, I, I'm just a practical person. I love people. I want them around me all the time. I know maybe I got folks listening online from my church, but I, I had somebody ask me a few weeks ago. I had somebody that I was, I was having come over, and I, I, not just to my house, but I was doing other things. And look, I'm a guy who likes to trust people. You break my trust, we'll have a nice talk. I'm not going to be mean about it, but I may not let you back just doing whatever but I had people asking me preacher you know who that is yeah you know what their history is I'm, and I'm not just trying to pat myself on the back folks please don't feel that way I, I just love people and brother Nelson if they're hungry they need people that love and they need people that trust because this world is full of hate and distrust and when they feel like somebody cares about them one thing I have learned is most of the time unless they're just completely evil they're not going to want to break that trust people in Olathe that are just like this. You've met some of them. Yeah, you've had some suffering going on. But you got more life flowing through your veins than any one of them do. And I can promise you, your life won't be as hectic and as upside down as you think it is if you just start working with somebody that needs God. It just, it's just what happens. You know why? Because your focus isn't on you anymore. Your focus is on others. Praise God. They need to see the life in your life. They need to see the hope that you have in your life. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to lift my hands and I want to let the Lord know, God, I want you to use me. God, I need the life 
that you have to offer flowing through my veins. I need you helping me. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Help me help somebody else. Help those around me see your glory. Help those around me feel your power. Not because of me, because I'm nothing. But help me help them. Help me reach them. Give me a burden. Even in the midst of suffering, God. Because you can bring life in their life. You can bring hope into their life. You can bring your spirit into their life. Through my suffering. Help me, Jesus. Oh, we love you today. Can we talk to the Lord? Can we let him know how much we love him? And how